We gather today as needy people, people that know that we need the Lord uh, desperately, and we feel that need, and uh, many of us maybe feel like lepers. I know we're, we're looking at uh, Jesus healing a leper today, and what we're going to see in Matthew chapter 8 ought to give hope to anyone who has ever been marginalized or shunned or left out or shut out or ostracized because what we see is Jesus ministering uh, to one who was marginalized and so that's all of us at one point or another in our lives and so we're at Matthew chapter 8 verses 1 through 4 let's read that and for the next few months by the way we're going to be looking at Matthew chapters 8 and 9 and really seeing Jesus's love in action we've for a whole year we we studied Jesus's words and and his sermon on the mount and now we're going to look at these miracles that are recorded in these two chapters Uh, there's really nine miracles interspersed with a couple uh, brief discussions on discipleship but this is the first one today Matthew chapter 8 and verse 1 these are these are this is an account of what Jesus did says that when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. This is the word of God. And Lord God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, that you're speaking to us today. And Lord, we want to listen. We don't want to miss the significance of what you did and what you are doing and what you want to do. So Lord, we ask, once again, open our eyes that we would see what you have for us today. And we pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. As we look at Matthew chapter 8, as we really begin this chapter, what we see is that Matthew chapter 8 leaves off where Matthew chapter 4 ended. It really begins where Matthew chapter 4 left off, uh, with, with the Sermon on the Mount in between. In fact, if you go back with me to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23, we read that Jesus went through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Now what we see next, what we saw next, was that Jesus went up on the mountain, Matthew 5.1, and he preached... His life-altering, countercultural, paradigm-smashing, truth-defining 
Sermon on the Mount. When he was done with that, chapter 8, verse 1, he came down from the mountains and great crowds still followed him. Great crowds, great multitudes became his traveling companions. Became, well, some were casual observers, but others became his apprentices. They committed themselves to him. They believed. The true followers attached themselves to Jesus, not as one who, not as one who would just maybe follow from a distance, but one that would buy into his program, that would align themselves with him. That's what it means to be a true follower of Christ, to, to come to Christ by grace through faith and align and center your whole life around him. It's not a casual thing. But there were some that were casual observers. Some of the crowd were in the camp of full committal. Most, most likely, were just intrigued by what he did. In Matthew's Gospel, and we've been looking at it for quite a while now, we have seen Jesus as the Messiah, the true King. And we have seen it in, in so many ways. Let me just recount some of the ways. Going back to the beginning of Matthew, we saw him as the Messiah legally through his background and genealogy at the beginning, prophetically through his birth and infancy, divinely through the Father's words at his baptism, spiritually through his perfect sinless response to Satan's temptation, theologically through his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, and now, in these next two chapters, we're going to see his qualification as Messiah through his power. Through his power as God. Like I mentioned a few minutes ago, these two chapters contain nine miracles in three groups separated by two brief discussions on discipleship. Now, the three sets of miracles that are going on here, the first set are miracles of healing. We'll see one of them today. We just read about it. Where Jesus goes to people that are marginalized in, in society, uh, a leper, a servant, a woman, people that were looked down upon in that day. Now, the second set of miracles were miracles of power, a power over things like nature and demons. And we'll look into those at some point. The third set has to do with miracles of restoring, of restoration, of restoring life, of restoring sight, of restoring speech. But we're looking at the first miracle today, Jesus truly ministering to the marginalized. He had just spoken of them. Now he reaches out to one of them in a tangible way. I think it's significant which miracle the Spirit of God had Matthew highlight first after the sermon, you know, Jesus was very countercultural in his words and, and also in his actions. He reached out to the outcast. He, he reached out to those who were shunned. Now, on the part of the leper, pretty much he was just too desperate to care what anyone else thought. He was desperate to, for Jesus. And, and if you think about it, here's a guy in his in his context, who had no right to be around. 
Here's a guy who had no standing and no worth. A dead man walking. He was truly poor in spirit. He was truly mourning and hungry and thirsting. And in the presence of Jesus, he became bold to approach him. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, Behold, look, watch this. This is amazing. Now to a Jew reading these words, they would not believe, they they couldn't believe it. it. It was crazy, crazy stuff. Behold, a leper came to him. And, and knelt down before him. Now, leper, the Greek word is lepros. It means scaly. Just thinking of it, if you really think too much about it, it kind of makes you itch a little bit, you know? Uh, it means scaly, which was one of the first things that would come out if you had leprosy, which is known today as Hansen's disease. But it was the most feared disease in the ancient world. Lepers then were outcasts, they were shunned, they were avoided like the plague because they, they had it. See, what this man had was a horrible, uh, disabling, disfiguring, debilitating disease, which was extremely repulsive. It caused pain, it caused numbness. It caused uh, disfigurement. It caused sores and ulcers to break out in the bo- on the body. It caused a foul odor. You, didn't, you weren't just repulsed by their look because they would be grotesquely changed in their appearance. But you would smell them as well and be repulsed by the smell. What would happen would be the person would gradually waste away. And they would die. Lepers were believed to be under a curse. They were ostracized. They were quarantined. They were required to have unkempt hair and clothes. They were required to cover the, the lower part of their face so as not to infect someone from their, uh, from their breath. They were required to cry out, Unclean! Unclean! in order to keep the community away from them, being polluted by getting too close. Of all the people in Israel, they were the most shunned. As long as they had the disease, they had to stay outside the camp, away from others. They were excluded from all walled cities in Israel, therefore absolutely kept out of the holy city, out of Jerusalem, out of the temple of worship. They could not go. They could go into some synagogues where if they had built a 10 foot high, 6 feet uh, in, in, in circumference uh, walled room that they could be in. They could not share airspace with other people. They were the classic outsiders. E.W.G. Masterman wrote this, no other disease reduces a human being for so many years to so, so hideous a wreck. Josephus said that lepers were treated as if they were, in effect, dead men. Lepers were the living dead of their day. Lepers were dead men walking. So can you just imagine this scene? 
a leper coming up to Jesus, broad daylight in the middle of a crowd of people. Can you just imagine the people running for cover in all directions, covering their faces, maybe even throwing rocks to keep the leper away from them? There was a rabbi that would boast that he would throw rocks at lepers to keep them at a distance. He saw that as a good thing. Can you imagine the scene? But here is a man who was too desperate for Jesus to care what anybody thought. He came boldly. He came with confidence in Jesus. And he knelt before him. It's the same word used for worship. It means to fall at someone's feet. The leper found his way to Jesus and he adored him. He worshipped him. He came to Jesus reverently. He gave him what he deserved as God. He, he was revolting to many. But he came humbly. He, became, he came to Jesus in humility. He said to him, in verse 2, Lord, if you will, if you are willing, you can make me clean. There was confidence, there was reverence, there was humility, but his words expressed some doubt. If you, if, you, if you look at the construction and the way the word is put here, there is doubt. But there's not the kind of doubt we might think. He did not doubt that Jesus could heal him. He doubted if Jesus would want to. He did not G doubt Jesus' power. He doubted his will. Why would he want to heal me? So he came to Jesus in an attitude of worship and faith. Faith in, in, in Jesus' ability to do for him what no one else would dare do or could do. He was insecure. Being rejected by everyone else. Knowing Jesus could do it. But wondering whether he would want to. Whether he would even want to help someone so revolting. His insecurity revealed how worthless he felt. But Jesus was about to reveal to him how much he was worth. How much he was worth in God's sight. See, Jesus was love in action. Jesus, love incarnate. God incarnate. Jesus was willing to touch the unclean. See, Jesus lived to please God, not man. A leper approached Jesus and Jesus didn't run away. Can imagine the isolation that happened when he came up to Jesus. He falls at Jesus' feet and the people scatter. And there's a, a radius around them. They're at a distance. If they were downwind, they were 150 feet away. You had to always keep at least 18 inches away from a leper. But if they were downwind, they were 150 feet away. 
So there was a, a weird circle kind of thing around Jesus and this leper. You can be sure of it. And Jesus didn't run away. Now, if you touched the leper in those days, you would become ceremonially unclean. Leviticus 13, 14, and 15. But here, the, the leper is going to be healed when, he, when Jesus touches him, and Jesus contracts no uncleanliness, though some would think he was. Verse 3. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Jesus responded with compassion. Compassion to this request. Sympathetic to the man's plight. To the, mind, to the man's cause. And he acted by his sovereign will. So inappropriate to the establishment, but so right in God's sight. Andrea Seyu wrote this about Jesus. Jesus went to all the wrong parties and missed all the right funerals. He ate when he was supposed to fast. He came to dinner with unwashed hands and once at table gave his attention to all the wrong people. He let his men eat freestanding grain with abandon in broad daylight on the Sabbath. He made a scene in the temple. His own mother was embarrassed. You see, Jesus, his reaction was one of compassion, not revulsion. In Palestine at the time of Jesus, as soon as leprosy was diagnosed, the person was absolutely and completely banished from human society. Gone. The law identified 61 different ways that a person could be defiled. Contact with a leper was second worst only to touching a dead person. If a leper put his head in your home, your home would become unclean. Like I mentioned, you had to stay 18 inches away from a leper. If downwind, 150 feet. It was illegal to greet a leper in public. Rabbis kept six feet away at all times. But Jesus touched the leper. To a Jew, there might not have been any more shocking or revolting scene than this or sentence that read, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Jesus reached out to an outcast. Jesus, on his authority as God, did what no one else was willing or able to do. His life-altering, world-changing, paradigm-smashing truth in action. He touched someone no one else would touch. Someone who was ostracized, shunned, avoided, an outcast. And his healing power flowed to that man, and he was restored to health. What a testimony of the power of God. What an answer to the prayers of the poor in spirit. Those mourning over their sin, those hungering and thirsting for righteousness that they did not possess on their own. 
See, Jesus came to, make, to set the prisoners free. He came to restore sight to the blind. He came to make the lame walk. And he came to bring the good news that those who were formerly outcasts can be lepers no more. Praise Jesus. Praise God that that's what Jesus did. There was a good outcome. The good outcome of what Jesus did, that God brought about, was the leper was a leper no more. Healed, cleansed. Jesus said to him, I will be clean, and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. He was cured. He who was cursed was now cured. He who once was good as dead was now alive. Once ostracized, now accepted. Think about Jesus. Isaiah chapter 53. Jesus became like one from whom men hide their face. Jesus became a scapegoat for us. Jesus, what he did for this man was that he met him at his point of need. Didn't run away from him. Didn't deny him. He gave life to the as good as dead. The average time that a leper would live after contracting the disease was nine years. The body was affected, first and foremost. There was that slow progression of deterioration. There were times their fingers would even fall off. Then they'd go into a coma at some point. Then they'd die. But Jesus changed that for this man. And then he says in verse 4, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone what I did for you. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Wouldn't you want to go and tell all the good things that God had done? That's what the guy ended up doing, by the way. He didn't obey Jesus. Um, Jesus said to him, See that you say no, nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them, for a testimony to them. Why would Jesus tell him not to say anything? He did it other times as well. Because too much attention to the miracle would hinder Christ's mission at that point. It would shift attention from his message, which was central. The healing wasn't central. The message he brought was central. In fact, Mark shows that this is what happened. In fact, Mark chapter 1, verse 40, is a parallel account. You can also see it in Luke chapter 5, but we'll look at Mark 1. Mark 1 and verse 40. And a leper came to him, came to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Verse 45, But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, desert regions, and people were coming to him from every quarter. 
This man did not obey Jesus' instructions. So Christ had to move away from the city and out into the desert. The gift that, that Jesus was telling him to go give, by the way, was the gift that Moses commanded. Uh, it was a sacrifice of two birds. One was killed, the other was set free. The testimony was to the priests. See, the place of the priest in the process of healing was significant. Sacrifice was required to authenticate the healing. Not to bring it about, but to authenticate that it had been done. By the way, to rabbis, the cure of a leper was as difficult as raising a person from the dead. And the supernatural cleansing of lepers was expected as one of the signs that the Messiah had come. Matthew chapter 11, verses 3 and 4. Jesus pointed the disciples of John the Baptist to these things when they questioned him as whether or not he was the the long-expected one. Matthew 11 and verse 3. They said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Big question. And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Blessed is the one who does not stumble over me. Jesus gave the man his life back. It was really thought of as equivalent of raising a person from the dead. What would happen now to this man? What would happen now is that he would be able to regain, rejoin society. He would be able to once again fellowship with God by entering the temple. He would be once again admitted among the community of people, not shunned. Jesus restored him to fellowship with God and man. You see this this scene, it's so huge, it's huge. The leper was drawn to Jesus, the leper worships Jesus, and Jesus doesn't run away from him. The leper's desperate enough for Jesus that he doesn't care what other people think. I can imagine that some were trying to push him away from Jesus. In some way. But Jesus touched the unclean, touched and healed someone no respectable person would dream of touching, let alone helping. He lived to please God, not man. And Jesus gave life to the one who was as good as dead. There are lessons for us here. There are lessons for us. Just as the leper came to Jesus. 
lesson for us is that it's just it's about it's about us being desperate enough for jesus that we don't care what anybody else thinks our need for god overcoming our fear of man god wants us to approach him boldly as hebrews 4 and verse 16 says come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy find grace to help in time of need we can come to christ because of what he has done And when you do that, it affects everything in your life. It affects our devotion to God and our home life and our friendships and our work and our ministry because when we come to Jesus, everything is reoriented. Everything is changed. But I guess I would ask you this. Do you ever feel like that leper? Do you ever feel just unclean? Unworthy? Not accepted? Jesus wouldn't want to help me. Are you ever unsure if if Jesus wants to do for you what he has promised? If you believe that Jesus is the only way to be saved, that he's your only hope, take him at his word. Come to him like he said. Come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me and I will, you will find rest for your souls. So you can come boldly to Jesus. You can come boldly to God in Christ You can come boldly to his throne of grace to receive mercy. Mercy that holds back the judgment our sins deserve. And find grace to help in time of need. Grace that gives us what we don't deserve. See, I want to be like the the, the leper that worshipped at the feet of Jesus. Not worrying about what everyone else thinks, just too desperate for him to care. Too desperate for Jesus to care. And just as Jesus was willing to touch the one who was unclean, I think another lesson for us is it's about us being willing to do what others won't. That for the truth, that we would do what others won't do. That we would go to those whom others won't go to. To be willing to reach the unclean. Be willing to reach the hidden. Be willing to reach the shunned. Be willing to reach the quarantined. Be willing to reach the rejects. Be willing to reach the banished. No one should ever be excluded from from experiencing and hearing of God's grace in Christ. No one. Jesus touched and healed a person that no one else would come near. That's consistent with his other actions on earth. It's because Jesus lived to please the Father and not man. It's so easy to get caught up in respectability, isn't it? Isn't it? In the web of respectability thinking that no sensible person would go and do that. 
No sensible person in their right mind would go reach out to them. And everyone understands why you just wouldn't go there. Everyone understands that. But God incarnate did things that no respectable person ever would. We must do likewise if we're going to walk in his steps. Jesus, the sinless one, impeccable from start to finish, did what he did because he was love incarnate. He was love in action. The living word wrote the playbook. Not the religious establishment of his day. Just because they twisted it doesn't mean that everybody else had to. He turned the status quo upside down. I want to be like Jesus. But that means being willing to be misunderstood by those who should know better. It's funny, I looked around this week thinking of of opportunities and ways that I could could do this to, to, to put it in action. I fell woefully short. I tried to be a bit friendlier to people I usually avoid, to go out of my way for the, you know, the forgotten and the despised ones. Barely got past the crust, okay? Barely past, got, got past the surface. Uh, but I know people who do that every day. Actually go and be like Jesus and reach the ones that no one else will reach. In Christ's strength. Unselfishly serving in Christ's strength. You can think of the big things like Haiti and DR and things like that. You can think of the very unpopular things like going to retirement homes. Caring for aging parents. Moms who pour out their lives every day unnoticed there are places I just won't go Frederick Dale Bruner said this the church that takes Jesus seriously will not only teach and seek to put into practice Jesus' great commands it will also regularly pray and care for the sick And that means being willing to be misunderstood due to compassion. The cool thing is this. Former lepers reach lepers. C.S. Lewis said that friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. There are many people who bear the wounds of dealing with imperfect people in their homes, in the community, and in the church, and they find it hard to recover. But what did Jesus do for us? Let's look. Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 12. 
Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. See a similar thing in Hebrews 9, 11. When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, even through the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. And if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of a defi- and, uh, and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. We can come boldly to God. See, Jesus went outside the camp for us. Jesus allowed himself to be an outcast for us, allowed himself to be shunned so we could be set free, so we could be called his friends. See, above all, what this is about is about Jesus giving life to the dead. Just as Jesus met the leper at his point of need, it's about Jesus meeting you at your point of need. It's about us being lepers no more, spiritually. No longer excluded from fellowship with God or other people. In Christ, we are lepers no more. That Jesus is willing to meet you where you're at. Psalm 34 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. That He rescues those who are crushed in spirit. That God will meet you there where you are. That He will not leave you to fend for yourself. Jesus gave life to the good as dead, and He still does. We who were dead in our trespasses and sins. In Christ, those who are dead are alive. Accepted in the beloved. Jesus took our revolting sin condition upon himself so that we might be restored to fellowship with God. That we might be changed and reintroduced into society as salt and light, as a pure influence for good. Because Jesus lived to please God and not man. And in pleasing God, he blessed man. His death for our life his death for our life. That he became sin so that we could have his holiness. That he was disrespected so that we could walk in his holiness. That he took all of our impurity, all of our uncleanliness, so that we might be pure and holy in his sight. See, what Jesus did that day with that leper was a sign of Christ's love over this broken, fallen world. It was a foretaste of the ultimate healing and restoration and renewal that shall be brought about one day for all who believe. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you speak to us as we look and consider your word. We do believe, Lord, that you want to show your glory here today. And Lord, we, we th- I think about that 
that, that line that someone said, the glory of God is man fully alive. And I, we know that that line has been used to justify a lot of things. But the glory, your glory is, is not in the vacuum, but in Christ. And that it's, it's, your glory is seen in, in man fully alive in Christ, by grace through faith. And Lord, thank you that we could take our disappointments to you, our frustrations, our failings, our pain. We can cast all our cares upon you, who bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, who was wounded for our transgressions and crushed for our sin. Thank you, Jesus, that by your wounds we are healed. Lord, we ask that whatever our challenge is today, that you would take them and carry them. And if they remain, we ask, Lord, what do you want to do through this for your glory? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.